This is exactly right. laughed so quickly at you the smile you just gave me was like Karen I know you're losing your mind please be here with me now guys I just hello welcome to my favorite murder hi uh that's Karen that's Georgia hi uh my dogs just got out as I was driving over here I got a call from my god blessed neighbor Carolyn uh who is the one who people go to because she knows everybody in the neighborhood. Aww, and she bake cookies. Oops. She, I think so. Um, she's the best neighbor. And uh, my dog's already got out once this week. Jesus. And so when I saw her name come up on my phone, I was like, no, God. And it, and it was her. Frank and George, bad dogs. Yeah, it's George. So she's, there's the front gate. It locks, but kind of not really. And I think she's pushing on it. And so I had just left the house to come over here to record. Tell everyone your address and, they, so they know, and where the gate is. <laughs> and okay, and so everyone can could. just go check it every once in yep. a while as oh, a favor. Hell. Yeah. I think it would be nice. Uh, it's the worst feeling when A, your dogs are out. B, uh, you, they don't have name tags on because somehow the name tags have fallen off over the years and I've never replaced them. Sure. And C, they've already gotten out once this week and alerted the, the entire neighborhood Ugh. was in action trying to, and they were out all day because I was at work. <laughs> you walked in the, to the apartment with, um, like a perfectly drop of tear on your glasses. <laughs> Like it had been raining. On well, the inside of your glasses, there was like this perfect it, it teardrop. Is, it's always raining inside of me. <laughs> it was just like this huge You should have seen. Teardrop. Like, you know how I can be. When I got out of Lovely this car. And a ballet dancer. The best. Sometimes um, she just does ballet for no reason. So graceful. Yeah. So ladylike. I got out of my car and there was a man sitting on his front porch. And I walked up and he didn't say anything to me and I didn't say anything to him. And then finally I went do you have the dogs? And he was like, yeah. And he goes, is everything okay? And I go, I guess not. And then I just started bawling in front of a man I don't know. Oh, crying in front of strangers is oh. the most like vulnerable you can be and you hope they react well. And he, you're like, oh, honey, it's okay. He was shocked. At, I would yeah. say he was shocked. I meant later. Was he like, how dad was he? Like what level of he dad? was dad, but I think he had a little bit of the get your shit together. These dogs were wandering in the street, <gasps> which I that's the burn of it Ooh. is that I 100 percent agree with him. The fact that it's happened several times <laughs> is like unforgivable. And the idea that I'm just fucking driving around. My dogs are like. Just in We're the street, just Milo and Otising the fuck out of it. Aww. I'm so, ugh, very upsetting. So anyway, that's how I. That's the energy I'm bringing tonight. I think how that's why you? I smiled at you like that. Yes, it was like, Wait, how are you going to do this? Such kindness, because it's been ten minutes since you got here. <laughs> it's not like we had to sit down and we all talked and no. had tea. No one had tea or biscuits. No, I came in hot <laughs> with tears. Tear hot drop. tears, hot tears on the inside. Not of the my style. And now George is trying to hold my energy. I've with hugged me. you twice. Yes, and that's like the most I've ever hugged anyone in my life. It was really nice. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Genuinely, you're welcome. <laughs> no, I. Um, we have burgers being delivered. We're gonna have to break for burgers at some point. Oh my God. And then I look at my phone, Carolyn. 
I actually want to leave my phone up just in case. I'm leaving mine up right now only because of burgers. Otherwise, it stresses me out so much. Okay. But I'm going to scream burgers. You're going to hear a pause. You're not going to hear a pause. You're going to hear nothing because this uh, is a fucking professional podcast. Yeah, that's right. Steven's going to cut Steven. it out. You know how professional Uncle Joey is? style. How? Well, now we're on the professional podcast network. Midroll. Hey, good segue. Nice one. Did you type that up this morning? Type the shit out of that one. Guys, it's so exciting. We are now on Midroll, the Midroll podcast network. Very big deal. Very fancy deal. We are very honored and excited to be moving on up to the east side. Yeah. And on Midroll. But not without our fucking... uh, you know when you you go and then you point to the sky like what's up God this yeah to you you, Just, you peace out to God not well to you peace up to God you peace up to God you bless it all the way up and you say thank you Feral Audio thank you Feral Audio we, uh, how long were you guys on there God I've been with them since they started I think yeah long Feral time. Audio gave us our huge kickoff thank you so much to Jason Smith mm, thank Jason you so Smith. much to Dustin you guys. We're great, and uh, and we will miss you dearly. And we'll support the fuck out shit out of you. Always, there's so many good podcasts on <laughs> there. Just change it from fuck to shit. Fucking shit out of you? No, I said the we'll fucking support. shit out of you. Oh, it sounded like... What did I say? It sounded like you stopped yourself from saying, we'll support the fuck out of you, and said, we'll support the shit out of you. I think I said, we'll support the fuck and shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that's a lot of support, you guys. Listen. Yeah, we're going to be on every podcast that they do all the time anyway, because that's kind of how podcasts work. They're only allowed to have us as guests on all of their podcasts. Yeah, that's now. right. Um, but yeah, man. Look, so that's like, that news. No one know, cares about stuff like that. We haven't said in a while, but like we didn't know this would be a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we still don't know this is a thing, this podcast. It's a large adjustment. We're doing our best. We're doing our best not to think about it. Right. Because we just love it. Uh, and we're just trying to do it. We're just trying. Uh, we're doing our best. Looking. Listen. Looking, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Looking. I'm just. Listen. Mashing words up this time. Um, and oh, you got we, anything? Uh, Elvis is healthy. Good. Is. Let's get it. Let's get, we've missed a couple weeks of this, so let's get one at the top. Elvis. Want a cookie? Whoa. Oh, That's how healthy he is. He was, that was like Tom Jones level vocal. <laughs> pronounce hi friend and now to ask the other question because i can't get up very healthy steven will you give elvis a cookie (laughs) (laughs) one cookie yeah i'm on it cookie boy he's like hell yeah so basically Um, he had the flu he had the flu he had the plague that Dottie the kitten brought yes she's adorable she's here mimi's here everyone's here oh good life's back to normal nice um i do have something okay okay so god it feels like it's been so long yeah like the last time that we podcast remember i was like he had a brain hemorrhage and no bleeding or something Yes. We were talking about like, what's a, is a brain hemorrhage this or is a brain We were talking hemorrhage? about aneurysms. We're going into yeah, things that we've heard of but don't know about. And we were, we were speculating. Yeah, that's all we do. Well, it turns out that our friend Kara Clink. Yes. Hilarious comedian. Her brother is a brain surgeon. What? Of some sort. Why well, she never told me about that? Want me to find out? Let's see. Um, she texts me and said, um, my brother is a neurologist and he said, I'm listening to my favorite murder and they're asking doctors who are listening to weigh in on brain hemorrhage. Get me Georgia's direct number. 
And I've met him and he's like this sweet, normal kid, like at a comedy party. And you're like all these fucking comedians. And then he's just like, I'm a, hey, I'm a brain doctor. Oh my God. Hello. So, so cute. Pull um, him aside. I know somebody. Okay. So he, I was like, yes, I need it to know everything. So she, he's, his name is Colin. Um, Hi, Georgia. This is Colin, Kara's brother. Here's my little blurb on cerebral hemorrhage. Okay. As you do. The good news is neither of you was wrong. Uh, Generally speaking, hemorrhage just means bleeding, usually profusely, but not always. For example, even a small amount of blood in the brain can be disastrous, and it's still called a hemorrhage. So cerebral hemorrhage is just a general term for bleeding in the brain. Lots of different things can cause cerebral hemorrhage, including trauma or aneurysms, as Karen pointed out. Oh, yeah. He's being like so different. Karen was right. (laughs) So are you. He's like a grammar school teacher. Encouraging us to learn. To not... To just keep talking out of school. Just to just to not give up. Cerebral hemorrhage can also lead to stroke, as you alluded. Mm. He's like, Karen was right, Georgia, and here were you two. <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. Also, a quick clarification about aneurysm. Since it came up, an aneurysm is just a bulging of an artery due to weakness in the artery wall. Plenty of people walk around with aneurysms every day. <laughs> can you tell that I'm not practiced in speaking smart words? <laughs> aneurysm is a hard word to say. All of my mouth hurts right and now. And also, the concept that you just introduced is very difficult. I don't even want to talk about that. Let's We're all not. walking. That's like the shingles virus is already inside you. I don't want to know. The shingles virus is calling from inside that body. <laughs> <laughs> the shingles virus is sneaking up on you with a big knife. But you turn around and you, or you close the medicine cabinet mirror and it's gone. But then it's on your back. And it's behind you. Shingles. I don't know. Uh, they only become hemorrhages when they rupture and bleed into the surrounding tissue. Okay. So I said, this is such great info. Thank you. I'll read it for Corrections Corner next week. My pleasure. Blah, blah, blah. Also, apologies. Send my apologies to Steven. I ran outside to him. Out, I ran into him outside Kara's apartment when I was in LA last month and accosted him like, excuse me, are you Steven Ray Morris? <laughs> Big fan. And I wrote, ha, he loves that shit. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> yes. Made my day. Big fan of Steven's yeah. editing. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that was because I did the um, pizza bomber murder. And remember, sh- the woman who they thought killed her ex-boyfriend had sent him. He had an aneurysm. But I was like, you can't get an aneurysm unless someone hits you. I don't know. I made some shit right. up. Right, right, right. Well, we have these, like, ideas. It's all from forensic files. <laughs> It's all just sit- sitting in our brain from like a combination of forensic files and law and order where you're like, yeah. oh, I know this. Let me take this. Let me take this because I've I've taken every single episode of forensic files and put them into one into my brain. So yes. I was like this one girl who was dying of an aneurysm who then put a bomb of pizza around the neck <laughs> of a parrot who then told Ugh. who then testified in court. So insane. Yeah, that was a really good case. That was a good case. Um, what do you have anything? Just this one aneurysm. Um, you know what I will, I want to say this, and this is like, I don't want to be a big deal, but I, 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 there was an article written on bitch media Okay, and, um, it was an article about this podcast being racist. And there's been people who contacted us on social media, I think feeling nervous about that or defensive. And here's what I'd like about to say. About other people calling us. About that article and about that idea. Okay. And, the, so and that defending thing that's us. kicked up. Oh. Or feeling like, you know, I don't like this or I want you guys to know that we like you or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's what I'd like to say. Uh, we now live in a political climate 
where neo-Nazis mm. are feel totally fine wielding their ignorance Outing and violence in the like, fucking street. You used to be ashamed of that, right? We live in a political climate where mosques are being blown up, where black people are getting shot in the street, where people are being deported away from their families. This is uh, serious. People of color are scared and they're upset and they have a right to be. And if, if anyone who is a person of color hears something they don't like, we want to hear about it and we are listening. We won't argue with you on social media. We won't engage it, but we will do the thing that I think is the most important thing for white people to do right now, which is to take their ego out of it and to take their reactivity out of it. And it's hard to be told you're racist. It's hard to be told that you, when you think you're so woke or you think you're being an ally for someone to stand up and go, it doesn't work. We don't like this. So I just want to say we are listening to you and we hear you and we are your allies mm -hmm. just so they know. Yeah. Cause I, and cause I don't want this thing to start up of like anyone needs to fight or that I want to support anyone who's trying to use their voice to fight for equality. Right. It's important, especially now. I agree. Or, or someone saying like, but they've said these things and they've covered these cases. So they're not like those, you know, it's not like you do A, B and C and then you're not racist anymore or you're not doing or saying racist things or not even racist. It's not even racist. It's, it's things that are incorrect like historically like Hist oh, you're not supposed to say you know we're learning every i'm constantly trying to learn what what i'm doing that i even though i think i'm this fucking woke person too yeah. i don't know what i'm doing right well, and we do things that we don't realize because this popular this podcast is popular we do not want to propagate the negative media stereotype mm -hmm. of people of color we do not want to do that of if we do it we want to stop doing it. Any minority. Yes. Any. We, Anyone. I know how fucking hugely privileged I am. Yes. And actually this thing happened recently to me that kind of hit me over the head even more so because I've always been like, well, I'm Jewish. So I kind of understand like some kind of minority bullshit thing. Right. But it's like recently I went to this doctor. He's Jewish with like a very Jewish last name. And he looked at my chart and he was like, you know, finding out my history. And I was like, well, I'm Jewish, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, he saw my last name and he was like, wow, you're really lucky that you don't have a Jewish sounding last name because you didn't get you know, the anti-Semitism that people who have Jewish last names get. And wow. I was like, oh, God, this whole time I've been like, well, I'm Jewish. And it's the name Hardstark doesn't look Jewish. Right. And so I missed this whole this whole level of anti-Semitism. Yeah. And, yeah, and um, just because of that, which yeah. is like, oh, you just don't know until you are told or you see it, what you're not experiencing. And it's hard to it's hard to understand what you're blind to. It's yeah. hard to know what you don't know. And right. so the key is listening. Right. The key is paying attention. And then you hear this thing too of like, it's not their, it's not other people's jobs to teach us, to teach you and I. Right. Don't like, don't, we can't be like, well, tell us what we're doing wrong. That's mm -mm. not their job. And I know it's really frustrating for a lot of people of color to have to, or to, you know, the LGBTQ community to have to teach us. That's, it's our job to learn, right. not for them to tell us. So we just want those right. people who might, if you're still listening yeah. and you've ever felt othered yeah. or, um, 
in in any kind of a reactive position like that because of anything we've said on this podcast that is the absolute last thing we want to be happening the best thing about this podcast is the community that has grown up around true crime and around it it is it is the most lovely thing to see in the world Mm -hmm. and we want people to be a part of that we don't want anyone to feel like they're not welcome or they're not adored that they're not being listened to and i think a lot of people who've been listening to the beginning know that because we'll always read emails and letters from people who are like here's what you did like even using the term sex workers if you listen from the beginning we didn't say that we said prostitutes right because we didn't know we didn't know as soon as we find out we correct ourselves and admit that not admit we say we did something wrong here's an email from someone who is teaching us i did it is telling us the correct the correct way to do it because they understand that we want to learn. Right. You know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just a process and it's a flawed process, but we, I think it's important at this moment in time that we identify ourselves as allies, flawed allies that are doing their best because, because that's the key, I think. So, uh, yeah, I think we've been avoiding it for a long time because it feels like the more you even slightly interact, the it's, you're adding fuel to a fire that you just don't want to be happening. Knowledge. Yeah. But the truth of it is like everybody feeling really scared in the last couple of days because this fucking nuclear war thing. Well, the thing that made me realize is people of color feel like this every (laughs) single day. Fuck yeah, dude. Every single fucking day. I'm so glad you brought this up, Karen. I mean, it's, it's just, we live in a really fucking scary time, but there's, it's, I don't know. Let's all, let's all stick together. I guess the people who support each other, we, we don't have to feel like there's such a huge force of people who are on a certain side and we can't identify with each other. And you and I have this really fucking amazing opportunity out of nowhere. Like we said, we didn't know this was going to be a thing. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Of course. I'm really glad you did. You did it very eloquently. uh, I've been thinking a lot about, about it a lot. Don't, don't think a lot. <laughs> uh, is there anything else? Um, God, I feel like it's been. Oh, uh, like it's been a while. On tour a, dates. Oh, tour dates. God damn it. This oh, thing I really? To, I really quickly wanted to go over just the, the dates that have been added and the ones uh, for people to to go look at. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna spew some dates at you guys really quickly though. If you just want to go to myfavoritemurder.com/live, there's links to. There's a list of shows and links to the actual tickets, so you're not going to get scalped or anything like that. But so a couple of that have been added and to check out um, really soon, September 6th, which is in less than a frickin' month, we're going to be in um, in Auckland, New Zealand at the <laughs> Bruce Mason Center. So crazy. So please go get those tickets. Yeah, Auckland. Hey, what's up? Meet us at Bruce Mason. Please. Get- you know when you go down to Bruce Mason to go watch all your violin playing and stuff? <laughs> Is that what they do there? That's I don't know. I picture. I don't know. Bring me Auckland, New Zealand snacks, please. Because all I want to do in um, Australia and New Zealand is eat like hand pies and stuff. I'm and just, Tim Tams. And Tim Tams. I'm so excited about the I'm, food. Yeah, it's going to be good. We added a second, a fucking third show, Melbourne, Australia. <gasps> third? Badass motherfucker. September 10th, which is again, very soon. We've added a third show at the Comedy Theater because you guys are awesome. And uh, we've added, oh, I'm sorry. Who's playing the Sydney Opera House, Karen, <laughs> on on September 12th? Do you know who's going to be playing? I believe it's you and I. I believe you are 
This is insane, right? <laughs> this is my dad actually tried to figure out a way to go with us. He is so excited that we're playing the Sydney oh, Opera House. Dad. I don't know why it means so much to him, but it really means a lot. I think it's because he's gone to Sydney because he used to he used to be a purser on Princess Cruises. What's a purser? Uh, the guy that carries your bags. Oh, that's, that makes sense. Like that's how my parents met, oh, and so wait, they. <laughs> you don't know that story? Fucking kidding! My me? mom was a nurse, and my dad was a purser on. Like the Matson line. They were plurse. They're <laughs> and my mom was already engaged. <gasps> and when they met, my dad talked about this at actually at her funeral service, oh. which was so sweet. He said the second he saw her, he goes, She was wearing a green sweater and I knew I'm in trouble. I know, isn't that the best? I so mean, anyway. How did I not know this? I know. It's the best. So he, there's a lot of like emotional attachment to Australia and to Sydney. Did I really just make you cry? No. <laughs> I think I'm getting my period and my meds have been real screwy lately, but that's still the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my it's, life. It's kind of the best. And so he was going to try to go with married. us, but he can't go. Like they, my parents met wherever, who gives a shit they got divorced, but like your parents met and he really oh, yeah. did follow through. They were, yeah, it's true. They were married for almost 50 years. It's amazing. He, or four, yeah, yeah, like 45 years. Her I know. It was, it was good times. I mean, that's, a, it was, it was, no, it was a wife, it was a life well lived. Okay, yes. For it really, sure. this was, she got the man of her dreams and she had a happy marriage and two kids, one who had a pretty good podcast. <laughs> Wait, your One sister has a podcast? Children's Lives. Your sister has a podcast? Oh. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday, by the way. <gasps> nice move, Sarah, Georgia. Right? Laura. God damn it. Did you call her Karen? I called her Sarah, and you know why? Because <laughs> the only reason I can remember her name is because you worked with Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman's sister's name is Laura. So I always think Karen and Sarah, I know Karen and Laura. Oh, that's hilarious. Is that weird? I can't remember names. Um, Shit. Can we... No, no, Steven, no, no, Don't no, edit that fine. out. She'll think I it's apologize funny. to Laura profusely. She'll think it's funny as long as you didn't call her Karen, which is what happens to her all the time. And it makes her really mad. Oh, really? Because people, <clears throat> like family and friends will welcome go, are you Karen, the <gasps> comedian? And she'll go, no, I'm Laura, the one that shapes children's minds. <laughs> she's a teacher. Because she's a genius teacher. NBD. No big deal. <laughs> uh, okay, those, those were our Sydney. tour dates. No, no, no. Wait, there's a few more that are... Oh, shit. Stephen the Third's here. Oh, God, I just hung up on him. Shit. Stephen, can you do me a big favor and go down to the... Don't cut this. Stephen. I'm going to eat all of it, though. <laughs> At the bottom of the stairs. With his... Um, can you... Yeah. Is this edited? Okay. Um, but... Don't stop it. Keep going. Bring the key to the gate, because sometimes they will lock you out. There's a key, like... On the hook. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. 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 Just, okay, just yeah, bring the good. key hook. It's good. Also, can I just say in this moment yeah. of chaos, chaos, first of all, chaos is a ladder, as, as we all learned on Game of Thrones last week. No spoilers. Wait, do you want Um, But. I said burgers. And then I'll, you can, you can add, leave burgers in. Yeah. Like Bur burger time. Burger time. Um, <clears throat> so. So Sydney Opera House, um, September twelfth coming up, and then, oh Detroit, we added a show to you. Oh, um, which is so cool because people like. So we're gonna be in Detroit September 29th and September 29th. <laughs> There's an early show and a late show, um, and then uh, San Diego, we added a show because you're fucking awesome too. September thirteenth, there's a late show. 
And then Anaheim, we're coming to you on the 14th of October. Second show at the Orpheum in Madison. Wisconsin? Wisconsin. Nice. You guys sold out Friday the 20th, so we're adding October the 21st, Saturday, the next night. Okay. And then Tampa, we have November 3rd for you at the Hard Rock on the... Fourth, we have Orlando, and then Fort Lauderdale on the fifth. Come there, da da da, beep boop boop bop, beep boop boop bop. That's that's pretty. There's other shows too, but those are the ones that are like have tickets like a lot tickets available, available guys. Yeah. So everything else, go look at myfavoritemurder.com/slash/live. Uh, and more dates to come. There are people that that tweet a oh, lot saying, so angry. Um, naming cities and saying, "Why do you hate us?" You're going to be so pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. These now. are all 2017 yeah. dates that we've announced. We can't tell you certain things, but we're going to be able to soon. So just have a little faith, have a little hope. I would say the same thing to the girl that tweeted me and said, "You guys didn't release a mini this um, week," uh, and then she mentioned something about unqualified. Oh, uh huh. That we're unqualified to podcast. Uh, nope. Oh. She mentioned something about Anna Ferris, and oh, yeah. I just thought it was such an odd coincidence because we're going to be on Unqualified with Anna Ferris next week. We did a combo hybrid uh, episode. King duo. We're a trio. A trio, yeah. Even. We all compare. Well, actually, a quadro if you include Sim, who is uh, her producer, who's What's, on her podcast. Uh, another one with Steven. Oh, shit. Sorry, team. Steven was there, too. He's a 5-0. I, mean, I mean, I was just hanging out. <laughs> just just kind of touching the leather couches. Just I mean, that was a nice house. That's, yeah. It was really nice. We had a good time, and honestly, house um and we had we got to give people advice that we are also unqualified mm-hmm. to give anna gave a fucking her murder which was awesome yes that it was is fun so fucking cool she's the best i've always i've honestly always been a You've fan honestly, of hers Anna. i've honestly the movie Sorry. just friends if you haven't seen it with anna ferris ryan reynolds um I don't know the name of the lead girl. Sorry. Anna just distracted you so much. Um, but if you haven't seen that movie, it's the best. Okay. Anyway, I've loved her since that movie. We're going to be on that. That's going to be this coming week. Whatever that is. Good times. Where are we? Great oldies. Great oldies. It also, besides, uh, Laura's birthday, Vince's birthday is coming up this week. We got a big birthday week. That's right. Vince's birthday. Happy Should I birthday. Give the date, the name of and date of his and location of his birthday party? Yes. <laughs> That's because a great idea. There's a reason I'm saying that, but I'm not going to say it because then everyone will actually know it. But okay. he's having a joint birthday party with some people and one of the people just puts it up on fucking social media for everyone to know. Um, I know the person. Yeah. The famousest, <laughs> the famousest of them is like, cut it. But last year, Nick Lachey was at his birthday party. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I know, right? Um, all right. Should we talk about murder? Oh, yes. My neighbor just texted me and said he's going to fix my fence tomorrow. Mm. Hell yes, he, everybody. Hopefully he doesn't think fence, fix my fence is a wink wink, like <laughs> break George's legs to, like, so she can never get out again. Oh, I'm sorry. That was horrible. Hi, best friend. Look at Mimi come right over. Speaking of Mimi being like, please get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> this kitten is killing me. You know, it'd be so funny, though. Then she I put her down in my house and the dogs just come running at straight at her. No, but oh, in a good, but in a, but then hug her and hug her close to their chests. Mimi would beat the shit out of them. Yes, for sure. No, she wouldn't. Frank would have no eyes left. 
<laughs> well, I've seen the way they throw the doll of me around in the air, which I need to put on fucking Instagram again. That this that would oh Mimi girl. Okay. Steven. Stephen, who? Do have any idea who's first? I tried really hard this time. It's Karen. Okay. God damn it. Because, well, I mean, again, people are like, do the live shows count? But that was the last episode. Last Karen, episode. Karen went last, so Karen goes okay. first. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if the live shows count. We're creating think, our own reality here. I think the episodes we post count, yeah. right? Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. yeah. Except for they're not real time to us. That's no. the weird part. How about after live shows, we get to, I'm burping. We got to choose who goes first. Sure. But only, <laughs> only, if, only on that day, like only in that scenario. Which one? That we <laughs> in the scenario where we have just posted a live show. Yeah, if we've just posted a live show because we don't know, you know, so much going on. Yeah. But, okay, so then, to, oh, how about we rock paper scissors right now? Basically, right. that a live show does a reset is what you're yes. saying. Okay. That sounds fine to me. Okay, rock. We do rock paper scissors hit. Right? Okay. Okay. Rock paper two, scissors three. hit. That means you get to decide, or you I go first. I just cut Georgia's paper. I'm scissors. She's paper. That's true. That's the, that was first. the "I'm scissors, I'm paper" song, <laughs> which means Karen goes first. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> so that was unnecessary. There is a level of hysteria to this episode that I am enjoying quite a bit because your dogs didn't get hit by cars. Because my dogs aren't dead. My um, neighbor's going to fix my fence. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't even tell you guys about the sunburn that I have. <laughs> If I had a smaller it's upper such a body, random thing. like oh, and I also didn't tell you. It is. What happened? Can you see? Yeah. You're just not pale. Oh no, that's red. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna peel my whole back. What happened? I what? just stood outside for 15 minutes like a fool, <laughs> like some sort of normal person with normal skin. I didn't know you were that Irish. Yeah. Well, I do it where I'll save it, save it, save it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I love, I'm going to go outside and stand in the pool. And then I do it for like, I'll start reading my phone or something. And then I'm just standing around with no sunblock on for like an extended period of time at one o'clock, which is the, you know, you can't do it. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. How I burn. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's why I don't like all the life (laughs) anything that's why i don't like anything it's like you don't like photosynthesis because (laughs) we live in a summertime city Mm -hmm. where everybody here has perfect skin and you're wearing right now you're wearing a terry cloth like summer jumper yeah like you're living the life because i am a nondescript jew who can tan i know and you you have like you have a consistency my right now i look like neapolitan ice cream (laughs) i am deeply tan i am frighteningly white but here's what i want you to know there's a pinkness here's what you guys got to remember at people and how they look and they have this perfect thing i am so fucking anxious and have so much anxiety around the bathing suit strapped hand lines <laughs> that I am so insane in the sun that that's why I don't have them. I don't look like, ah, this great glowy tan. It's just no big deal. Like I will not go outside with fucking straps on. Oh, okay. So you're all different, Karen. So you work, you're saying you really yeah. put in the mental yep. and the physical work because I think nothing looks trashier than having like, Especially the, oh, I'm going to insult a lot of people. You know, the like, <laughs> yeah, including the one you're looking at right no, no, now. No, you know the tr- no, 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 no. I'm not, I don't care about any of that. I'm saying the triangle bikini tan line. Girl. That goes up around your neck. Well, you don't, don't wear clothes. I've never seen it fucking. All I want your to skin do, aside I, from your. If I, all I want to do right now is shit. take my shirt off yes. and show you. It's not a farmer's tan anymore. Now I've got the thing that's happening to me right now is 
is like a lobster tan. But that's not fair because you it. have a fucking pool in your backyard. That's where you true. just be like tits out, right? So what the fuck? Tits out, fits out. Tits out, fits out. Everyone who's looking for that um, <laughs> backyard where they can break into, there's also a pool back there, <laughs> and there's a Karen Kilgore without. Uh, no, I wear out. a full caftan all at all times, <laughs> except for the 15 minutes I didn't do it today, and I'm now bright pink. I don't know where this is going. I don't we'll have time, and yet all I want to do is talk about this. All I want to do is talk about What if we did an episode without murder? <laughs> we could do it. You know what, we, we must be 30 minutes in already. Steven, 45. Cut out the conversation we had while you were getting the burgers, and we just talked about riots. We it actually got quiet for a little while. It got weird because we were both just like. <laughs> also, I have a gra- my grandmother's beautiful vintage mug just full of whiskey. Nice. So, yeah, that's how this is going. God damn. And my murder's good, but kind of long, so I'm worried about this. Yeah, I am too. Okay, there's so much to worry about. Steven. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.6 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Try Casper 100 nights for risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything designed developed and assembled in the usa i have insomnia and it turns out that after years and years of using hand-me-down decades-old mattresses i'm not kidding and thinking that i just couldn't sleep at night very well it turns out that i just had shitty mattress experiences so when we got our casper it turns out that that made my sleep and my night and my insomnia and my exhaustion like not a problem in my life anymore. So right now you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash murder and using uh, the code murder. Guess what? Terms and conditions apply. So go to casper.com slash murder, promo code murder, $50 off um, towards any mattress purchase. Uh, check it out and tell us, tell us how you're sleeping or don't. That'd be creepy. Okay, bye. Okay. The world is canceled. We we'll can do this in 15 really How long fast. was that? 15 minutes? Okay. We're going to now put this on um, this. You know how you can do it 1.5 speed or 2 speed? Me? Oh, yeah. Like all podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, We're going to talk like that. So if you put it on, on times 2, it's going to be like times 10. Yeah. This week, I'm doing Peter Curtin, the vampire of Dusseldorf. Yay. Have you heard of him? Do yeah, you know him? I, love it. I okay. don't. It's one of those things that you bookmark a million times to yes. maybe do, and then you don't do it. I, um, I, there's another guy that's German that, that was called like the werewolf uh-huh. of something, uh-huh. um, that I thought this guy was. Mm-hmm. And so I was, uh, I thought it was going to be like the I'm 1600s. Doing you know, that guy, you are. What if I was? No, no, no. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into, whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve. The key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines and June journey has that and more. June's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. 
Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Mind blowing. Um, But then when I look this up, this guy is so fucked. He is like Albert Fish level fucked. Oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so it was exciting. Uh, I mostly took this, um, most of the information is from biography.com, which is such a good, when you get one of those articles, they do it. Here's the thing. When you research these stories, you know, who's good. Every victim is like on one, in one article, she's 10 years old in another one. She's 13 in another one. She's nine. And it literally one time she's 17. (laughs) The times change, the dates change, the ages change. You get on biography biography.com and you're like this is golden there's a few. I can biography.com vanity fair washington post yes new york times lock and load lock and lock cut and load and dot com, uh, lock and load dot com com and you are you have all the details you're good to go yeah martha stewart living <laughs> she knows all the good killer info yes she does okay peter Curtin, born in 1883. We're going all the way back. <laughs> you were like, I'm not doing that. Voice. I know. Immediately. <laughs> my oh, nope. <laughs> right as I started doing that voice, my sunburn flared. <laughs> and I was like, no voices. What if your sunburn is like your psyche? That's like, stop, <laughs> stop it. it. Karen. Stop. My sunburn is my dad's voice from my childhood going, hey, show off time's over. <laughs> All my dad Your did dad my whole childhood. Jesse Pop. Your dad is Jesse Pop. Is he really? <laughs> Show off time's over. Does Karen. he say stuff like that? Yeah, it sounds like Jesse, <laughs> our friend Jesse Pop. Who's hey, hey. That and uh, you're not better than me. You're, you think you're better than me? You think you're better than me? <laughs> you think you're better than me? Okay. 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 Born in 1883. Peter was the eldest of 13 nope, children. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Both parents severe alcoholics. Don't do that either. Please don't do it. Father, a brutal sadist who would beat his wife, beat the children viciously, molested his daughters, and would sometimes gather the children and make them watch 
him have sex with their mother. <sighs> he was eventually arrested for raping his uh, daughter multiple times. Oh, you're very- so, uh, terrible, terrible uh, kickoff no for good, Peter Curtin. Very bad childhood. All bad. In 1902, when he was nine years old, he brief- befriended a dog catcher who lived in the same apartment building as him. Super chill dude, right? People who catch dogs and kill them? Right. Um, actually, this man uh, would keep the dogs and torture them, oh. and he uh, taught Peter all about it. Is this a weird, like, themed episode for you about dog <laughs> <Yes>. catchers? <laughs> This is called Dog Anxiety by Karen <laughs> Kilgariff. This is why I am surrounded by cats right now. Yes, exactly. Um, so, okay, so Peter, having a terrible parent, and then also his father went off to jail, so he basically bonded with the worst person he could ever be around. Um, so, terrible childhood, terrible um, outside influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was 11 years old, he told the police that he was playing on a raft with a schoolmate, and he pushed the boy into the water because he knew the boy couldn't swim. Oh, great. And when uh, another schoolmate saw this happen, the second boy jumped into the water mm-hmm. to save the first boy, and Peter Curtin leaned down and pushed both no. their ho- heads underwater and drowned them both. And the police, uh, when the police came upon it, they ruled it an accidental drowning. My mouth is, I'm not just being quiet because I'm not a quiet person. <laughs> I'm only quiet when I'm shocked. It's a jar. That's fucked up. The it's, door is a jar. And nine years, uh, no, sorry, 11 years old. It's so, it's like the wow. age of my niece. It's so creepily young. Wow. Um, so then when he became an adolescent, um, his fetish for animal cruelty developed into full-on bestiality. Um, thanks to the old dog catcher, he I... began to have sex with barnyard animals. And he then developed or progressed into killing the animals while no, no, he no, was no, no, fucking no. them. No, no. Yes. No. We don't, have to, we don't have to live there for very long. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, he of course was always running away from home to get away from his father's violence and sadism but then he always ended up having to come back when he was 16 on his way out of town one time when he was running away he met a woman he lured her into the local park where he raped her and strangled her Uh. okay so in 1913 at the age of 20 he's out on his own he starts robbing you know he's doing a lot of petty crimes I guess he starts breaking into taverns because there's a business on the downstairs, then there's living quarters on the upstairs. So on May 25th, 1913, he breaks into an establishment that's owned by the Klein family. So as the parents worked downstairs, um, Peter Curtin uh, snuck into their living quarters upstairs, found 10-year-old Christine Klein asleep in her bed, raped her, strangled her, slit her throat, then sat there and watched her bleed out. The next morning, he returned to the scene of the crime. He went to the pub across the street, and he bought a drink and sat amongst the locals and listened to them as they talked about what happened and speculated about who did it. Wait, how old was he at this point? 20. Okay. Um, And... At the time, an uncle in the Klein family and the um, father who owned the pub had been fighting and the uncle had threatened his brother and said, like, 
I'm going to do something that you're going to regret. So for a little while, everybody thought the uncle did it. And, um, he actually eventually was let off, but he was actually a main suspect in this murder. Um, two months later, he broke into another tavern. And this time three sisters were sleeping in their beds. He went to the girl in the center bed. She was 17 year old Gertrude Franken and he strangled her while she slept. Mm. He killed her and then snuck back Mm. out. Neither of her sisters woke up. What a like specifically, specifically evil thing to do. Horrible. To be like, I'm letting them wake up to this on purpose. Yeah. On purpose. No, he, he is a deranged mind. It's, it's all the worst things combined because clearly he already was a sociopath, but then he had the worst childhood a a human being could possibly have the worst family a human being could possibly have the worst outside influence. Like it it just came at him from every direction. Um, in 1913, he was arrested for arson. So we're, he's all about that McDonald uh, triad, they call it, of, of hurting animals, arson. He probably was a bedwetter. McDonald triad? I saw that word today, too, and I was looking something up. Yeah, that's. I think that's the person that made it up. Okay. Uh, McDonald's? McDo- <laughs> the McDonald's triad. Two Mc- cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> Killing animals. <laughs> Special sauce. Wetting the bed. Light all that shit on fire. And then light it all on fire with a side wet your bed. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> okay. With each success- successive sentence, um, Peter Curtin's rage. This is a direct quote from the Biography Channel okay. page. I, as I'm reading this, I'm like, this is hard to read. Oh, because it's a cut and paste. Um, Peter Curtin's rage against society and his capacity for depravity increased. Mm. So when he would go to jail, he'd get so- sent to solitary confinement. Oh, which I'm sure is chill as fuck, right? Well... When he was there, he he was able to very deeply fantasize very vividly about the brutal sex acts that he enjoyed. And so then he ended up he would break prison rules intentionally so that he would get the longest (gasps) sentence in solitary confinement because he liked it so much. It's disgusting. Okay. He was called up for military service um, at the start of World War One, but uh, he deserted and he was jailed. Um, he remained in prison until 1921, which was his longest sentence to date. And uh, when he got out of prison, he married an older woman, a sex worker who he knew who had uh, served time for killing her fiance. Her name was Augusta. They were a great pair. <laughs> they found real love. They let, found love in a, in a, what a, a hopeless, homeless, homeless uh, place, a homeless place. Um, <laughs> that's right. He became, he became a molder. I think that, so he maybe shaped crown moldings. Yeah. Places. Castor plaster. Castor plaster. Uh, they lived in relative normalcy for four years and then they moved back to Dusseldorf. And right around that time, Mm -mm. rapes began, uh, being reported all over the city. Oh no. Okay. So now he's going into, we're in 1929 now. February 3rd, he meets a woman named Maria Kuhn. He, um, ends up, stabbing her 24 times with a pair of scissors. Mm. So this, now he starts carrying a pair of scissors around with him at all times. Mm -mm. He is, um, not an organized killer. Like I think they're saying like he's, he's an impulse killer, but he, so he like, 
he knows who he wants to kill and right. he plans that a little bit beforehead but he doesn't plan anything it's else. like there it is and goes for it yeah but he knows what he's looking but for. he's got his scissors in his pocket because sure, sure. he's like wants to be ready sure um okay so February 9th, 1929, five days after attacking Maria Kuhn, he strangles nine-year-old Rosa Olager, stabs her all over her entire body. He leaves, then returns to the body hours later and sets it on fire. Monster. On February 13th, he stabs 45-year-old mechanic uh, Rudolf Scheer 20 times with his scissors. He returns to the scene of the crime again, and this time speaks to detectives no. about what happened. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, the German press uh, obviously is Loser covering shit. all of this, yeah. right? Um, and at one point, they find out from police that the police are theorizing that this attacker is drinking the blood of his victims. <gasps> um, and so that's when the German press dubs him the vampire of Dusseldorf. Okay. Um, now, at, at one point right around this time, a learning disabled man named Stausberg um, admitted to all of the vampire killings. So he's committed to an asylum and the police have convinced themselves mm-hmm. that the case is solved. Mm-hmm. Six months after that, on August 11th, he uh, asks a woman named Maria Hahn to a date uh, at a pub. He gets her alone, rapes her, strangles her, stabs her to death, buries her body in a cornfield. Mm. He visits uh, the body. Which is new for him, right? Burying a body? Yes. Because he's almost like, oh, I got away with this, so I'm going to be different about it. Yes. he's. It's escalating, and he's like getting creative. Because someone got caught for his shit. Maybe it's almost smart that he, you know what I mean? Like it almost shows that how, how smart he was. Right. Where it's like, you didn't keep doing the same thing. You were like, he he changed it up and he does it. He does it again. The same thing again later. Um, he, he buries the body in the cornfield, goes and visits it, visits it a Mm -hmm. bunch of times Mm -hmm. and eventually sends an anonymous letter to the police, uh, revealing her burial spot. Mm. So three days later, um, after he murders Maria Hahn on October 24th, 1929, um, he's in a suburb of Germany. Two foster sisters are attending a fair together. 14-year-old uh, Louisa Lenson and five-year-old Gertrude Honecker. Mm-hmm. And Peter Curtin sees them there by themselves. So he chats with them. He charms them. He makes friends with them. At one point, he sends Louisa off for cigarettes, then leads Mm-mm. five-year-old Gertrude into the bushes, strangles her, and slits mm-hmm. her throat. So the next day, he attacks another wo- uh, woman. Um, her name's Gertrude Schultz. She survives the attack and she gives the police a description of her attacker. She says he's a pleasant looking man in his 40s. Um, <clears throat> so now, after all of these attacks, the entire city of Dusseldorf is in a panic. Mm-hmm. Um, in September of 1929, he rapes a house servant named Ida Router and then beats her to death with a hammer oh. and leaves her body next to a river. So mm. he's changing his MO mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, the next month, on October 12th, he meets another servant girl. Her name was Elizabeth Dorier, and he asks her out. They walk along a river, and he hits her in the head with a hammer. Um, he rapes her, beats her to death with the hammer, and leaves her body there by the river. Oh a few days later, he attacks two more people with his hammer, but they survive. Um, 
So basically now he's causing mass hysteria in Dusseldorf. Mm -hmm. Um, The press is going crazy and he loves it. He's eating it up. On November 9th, 1929, um, he sent a newspaper, a hand-drawn map that detailed the position of the body that he left his most recent victim, a five-year-old girl named Gertrude <gasps> Alberman. How many Gertrudes are there at this point? There's three. I, mean, I think there's more. That's there's three lot. or four. Because it's Germany in the 30s okay. and 20s. Okay. Um, Go on. He, he stabbed this five-year-old 35 times. Oh, my God. And then hit her under some rubble. And then after he did that, he waited around an angry mob formed when they found out that another little girl had been murdered mm-hmm. and he joined the mob um, and protested along with them. Oh. So it's that, to me, that like move right there mm-hmm. is what I'm in it for mm-hmm. because it feels like if you took pictures of every crime scene of the oh. people that were lined up, you could see the people who were responsible. Like totally that thing of serial killers where they need to go back and they have to like revisit and they mess and with the cops and all that stuff. Cause they, they enjoy it. They're smarter. Yeah. And it's, they are smart in a way, in a way. Yeah. Because they're psychopaths and our brains would never think that way because we could never imagine these things happening or well, doing also, these things that thing that we learned where it's like they don't feel anxiety right. so they don't get nervous and we're always measuring other people against how we feel that guy looks nervous over there yeah where it's like no they it's wouldn't be nervous yeah. they would walk <gasps> right up to you and be like i've seen so i would like to report something that i've seen <laughs> it's so dark oh my god can okay. i tell you yeah i'll tell you later no, no, tell me. Well, I was in, in my murder. I was reading this thing and they had like in one of the articles, it was like, here's a riddle f- to see if someone's a psychopath or not. If they understand that if they can get this riddle and fix it, then they're a psychopath or some or a sociopath or whatever the fuck. And you want to hear it? Yeah. OK. A woman goes to her sister's funeral. Have you heard this? No. OK. A woman goes to her sister's funeral. At the funeral, she meets a man and she falls in love with him, but she loses track of him and he leaves and she doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know his name. A couple weeks later, she kills that woman, kills her brother. Why did she kill her brother? Her brother? Mm-hmm. Woman goes to her sister's funeral, meets a man, falls madly in love with him, doesn't know who he is. He leaves. A couple weeks later, she kills her brother. Why? Because it's her father? No. That's always the answer to what they... I know. That's, that's what I thought, up. too. And this means you're not a sociopath. Okay. So she can see the man again. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Because she's like, well, if he came to my sister's funeral, he knows us. I really want to see him again. I'm going to kill my brother and see that. Like, so the person who would be able to fix that, Stephen, Stephen now you just you, got it. Stephen, it's like Stephen was that extra. your answer? Stephen, no, Stephen's an astronaut. Stephen's weeping on the floor. Because he didn't get it until <laughs> late. I, I'm not making it you, Stephen. I think you're just a sweet baby angel. So slow. <laughs> no, you're not slow. You're not a fucking... You know what I mean? Yes. So That's it's crazy. The, it's like the yawning trick, or if you yawn and someone doesn't yawn, catch your yawn. Okay, but like, let's just be careful with this trick. It's because so then fake. Ima- but imagine if you're standing there and then someone like turns to you with like their reptile eyes and goes like, oh, because he'd want to see her again. And then you're like, oh shit, I'm in the elevator with 
this person. Well, it's the same way when like when when we did when I I think one of us told the whole thing of like if you yawn and the person doesn't catch your yawn, it's because they have no empathy. And like we and that was like an episode twenty whatever, and we still get people like my cat didn't just yawn right yes, now. Yes, and like and I was at the time I was like Vince didn't yawn when I yawn. Yep. So like it's all yeah. What's the word? Party trick. Yeah. However. It's a fun... It's fun times. It's a fun time. It's a good way to pass the time. So. Also, if you're... Just really quick. If you are... And it probably won't count now. But right. if, you're, if you're going through the old back catalog and you're, say, a full year behind, yeah. you can hold those corrections. <laughs> you can just keep those to yourself because you can... We rest... We assure you we've been corrected we on whatever you, it is. We promise you we've seen Dear Zachary. Everyone... <laughs> Once in a while, the people just tweet me trophy, and I'll be like, "We fucking know." That's not even from ten episodes ago. <laughs> well, we've we done know. it. I think we've done it like ten times. Whatever. Okay. Listen. Look. Listen. Look and listen. Okay. Listen. <laughs> Sorry. Go. Um. Okay. So the uh, angry mob is where I angry ended. mob. But now here's the thing. So the police noticed this time that the handwriting that was in the letter. Uh, the woman that was buried at the cornfield, mm-hmm. I believe Maria was her mm-hmm, name. Mm-hmm. It matches the map that someone, this anonymous person mm-hmm. sent of five-year-old Gertrude's burial mm-hmm. site. And so the cops are like, hold on a second. These like, they're putting it all together. So finally in 1931, knowing the police were close to catching him, Peter Curtin confesses mm-hmm. his entire murder spree to his wife, Augusta. She's like, Cool. She's like, damn. Okay, right. Um, and oh my god, he tells her, "You need to turn me in, and you can get a reward. Like, let's do this so that you're taken care of, what? so that my bad behavior doesn't fuck you over." Which is super weird. It's such a weird. Like, he really loved his wife and was stayed loyal to her, and I mean, did, not really because he was doing. No, I know terrible what you mean, things, but, but it's also like that he had a conscience or he cared conscience conscience enough to like tell her yeah and most guys who like fuck make out with someone at a party and cheat on their whatever don't tell yeah he was like listen he's like hey augusta i'm a real wild card guess what hey you're you're not going to believe what i'm about to tell you ever heard of of 10 girls named gertrude (laughs) killed them all damn that was me (laughs) You know how everyone's just screaming at the top of their lungs in the street all day and every yeah, day? Yeah. It's kissing me. It's me. Okay, so once he was under arrest, he provides an astonishingly detailed account of his string of crimes to Professor Carl Berg, who is a distinguished psychologist who later published a confession in a book called The Sadist. Mm. Um Curtin claimed 79 individual acts of crime in all. He went to great lengths to convince the authorities of his guilt. His memory was nearly photographic. Oh, my God. So his recollection of each offense um, provided him with great pleasure. Mm. Uh, And in his trial, which uh, started on April 13th, 1931 in Dusseldorf, he was brought up on um, nine charges of murder, seven attempted murder, uh, he initially retracted his extensive confession, um, claiming that he'd only said that to ensure his wife's financial security. Mm-hmm. But then there was such an overwhelming amount of evidence that yeah. he eventually just pled guilty. 
It took the jury 90 minutes to return a verdict of guilty on all counts. He received nine death sentences and he was executed by guillotine on July 2nd, 1931 in Cologne. And during his trial, I think this is very interesting. He was made to sit in a cage in the courtroom so that the family members of the victims didn't attack and kill him. (gasps) Yes. Damn. Peter Curtin, the vampire of Dusseldorf and the monster of Dusseldorf. That was fucking good, Karen. Thanks. Considering probably never going to go to Dusseldorf, Germany, too. I'm glad you did it on the podcast and not at a live show. That's right. You know? <laughs> we know you never know, though. You don't know. All these know. Germans were like, ugh. Octon? Uh, well, tune, baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Should we do it? Let's do it. How you do? Oh, you want to check your? I'm gonna pee. Do you want to check your? Time yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pee and eat an onion at the same time. Don't worry about it. See them? Yeah, I'll take it. Here we go. Cool. Okay. Double time. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry, they're not in order. Oh my god, okay. Uh, Jesus. Sorry, Karen, give me one second. Fuck, these are not in order. You know what? Hand me, can you hand me my computer? I'll just read off my computer. Sorry. It's okay. Thank you. Fucking printer. Okay. Fucking printer. I, d- I did um, numbers right before I printed page. I did page numbers. <gasps> Why, do I do? Why don't they? <clears throat> I know. It should be automatic. You should opt to take them off, not put them on. Right. I need a new printer, basically. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm just going to get started on this one, even though I have some thoughts on it. But okay. I think it's best to just like, let's get into this. Okay. Um. You ready for the murder of the family of Jeffrey McDonald? Oh, yes. Do you know this one? This is the one I thought the other one was. Yes. This is the one I thought... The... Um, the uh, doctor. Yeah. Is this guy a doctor, too? Sam Shepard? Yes, yes, yes. This is not Sam Shepard's family, but yes, this guy is a... Yes. 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 They're Whatever's very happening. similar. They're very similar. Okay, awesome. Uh... So I'm going to just get into this and then because this is all right. Jeffrey McDonald, he's in high school. He's voted most popular and most likely to succeed. He's senior class president, captain of the fucking football team. Hot, like well-liked, popular dude. Um, in the uh, in the made for TV movie Fatal Vision, Karen, he is played by a young Gary Cole. Oh yes, so Gary little, Cole. Right. Um, went on to those TPS reports by Friday. Remember Office Space? Yes. Go have to go ahead and have you come in on Saturday. This is what I was going to ask you what he was from because <laughs> I didn't know and I knew you'd know. Mostly Office Space. Yes. I mean that's his greatest role of all time. Definitely, okay. except for Fatal Vision. Except for Fatal Vision, where he plays a young Jeffrey McDonald after high school. Uh, he gets a scholarship to fucking Princeton, and while he's there, <laughs> so he, jealous. Eh, you think he's fucking better than us? Oh, what do you know, Steph? Oh. Um, gets a scholarship to Princeton, and then while he's there, he marries, marries his high school sweetheart, Colette Stevenson. She is played by Wendy Shaw. Okay. In Fatal Vision. 
So you watched Fatal Vision is what you're telling me. Yeah, but I also knew that you would have questions and I would need it. And I just like also don't ever know who's going to strike your fancy. True. And so these, you just want to be ready. Yeah. So I, I have a it. couple more characters. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. After high school, he goes to Princeton, marries Colette Stevenson. Um, he goes to medical school and then he joins the army. He becomes a Green Beret captain, which is a big deal, and a doctor in the army. So by 26 years old, the couple, along with their two daughters, Kimberly, age five, and Kristen, age two, moved to the prestigious Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is an army base, but it's also open to the public, Okay, which I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a very famous army base. Right. Yeah. 26 years old, and you've done all this stuff? You must be a sociopath. (laughs) No. All right. So here is his story. I'm going to start with his story. It's a cold, rainy night on February 16th, 1970. They are in their ground floor apartment. Uh, four and a half month old pregnant Colette and two year old Kristen are asleep in the master bedroom. And Kimberly is asleep in her room. She's five. Jeffrey goes to try to go to bed and he finds that Kristen had wet his side of the bed in the master bedroom. So he brings her back to her own bed and he goes to sleep on the couch because he doesn't want to disturb everyone and make the bed again. Um, all right. So he's asleep on the couch and then he is awoken while he's on the couch by Colette shouting, Jeff, why are they doing this to me? And Kimberly screaming, daddy, daddy, daddy. He opens his eyes on the couch and sees four figures standing over him. A black man in a fatigue jacket with, uh, sergeant stripes. There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye sleeve two white men and a woman wearing a floppy hat over stringy blonde hair she's holding a flickering candle in front of her face and is chanting acid is groovy kill the pigs Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Jeffrey begins to rise and the black man brings a club crashing down on his head. A second later, McDonald feels a sharp pain on the right side of his chest and he looks down and he sees an ice pick blade that had been stabbed into him. Um, he tries to wrestle the guys and despite the fact that he's a Green Beret, which one of their things is, is to be trained in clandestine guerrilla force, 
they're still able to fight him and pull his pajama top over his head and onto his wrist. So he's got his arms up, but with the pajama top is holding his wrists together and he's trying to fend them off, but they keep trying to stab him. Um, and then the black man keeps clubbing him. And finally, um, he, he falls unconscious at the steps of the hallway that lead to the bedrooms. So he had been overpowered okay. in this vicious struggle. With hippies. With uh, drug-crazed hippies. Acid heads. Acid head. Kill the pigs. Kill the pigs. Acid heads. As they yell. As they are known to yell. When he comes to, Karen, he's on the stairs. He gets up and stumbles to the master bedroom and finds Colette sprawled on the floor with the handle of the knife sticking out of her chest. He pulls the knife away and he throws it aside and he covers her body with his pajama top that he had removed from his wrist at that point and tries to give her mouth to mouth. What a good guy, right? Wait. Okay. What? No, no. Go ahead. No, yeah, you're right. You're correct. That how gross. I mean, if somebody's been stabbed to give mouth to mouth. Yeah, that's not going to work. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, and I just don't think most people do that, right? Well, he's a surgeon too. He oh should, no, no, he should know whether that, that or not wouldn't that wouldn't help work. Or yeah, not. right. Yes, okay. So, Colette has been struck at least six times in the head with a blunt object. One of them causes a fracture to her skull. She had nine deep knife wounds at the front of her neck, seven deep knife wounds to her chest, and twenty-one puncture wounds to her chest area. Her chest is also bruised from what looked like an object that had been thrust into her chest. On the headboard of the master bedroom, uh, someone had used one of their fingers to write the word pig in her blood. Uh, McDonald, Jeffrey McDonald. I kind of hate saying their last name instead of their first name because it makes, you know, like saying Jeffrey makes it so much more personal. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like in all of these murder stories we do. Yeah. So Jeffrey pulls the knife out puts it to the side, and then tries to give her mouth to mouth. In her bedroom, Kristen, who was um, two years old, uh, she has 22 gaping knife wounds to her upper back, four wounds to her chest, and one to her neck. There's 15 shallow puncture wounds found in her chest, as well as multiple cuts on both of her hands, like she's trying to defend herself. Uh. I know. This is, it's just fucked up. In her bed, Kimberly had been struck at least three times in the head with a blunt, the blunt object and her skull showed multiple fractures. Steven looks like he's going to f- pass the fuck out right now. It just doesn't make sense. It's like, wh- why would any hippies or people right. any otherwise of all the things you want to do, like you want to rob people, you want to murder, uh, whatever. And I mean, I just got done talking about the vampire of Dusseldorf who did exactly this, but it's a rare person who can stab a baby multiple times. And the breaking and entering thing, like not being a sadistic child killer, not being a rapist or a pedophile. And these things just happen in the house seems so weird. And this is why I'm starting with, so I just wanted to start, right? Which is, this is a great place to say, like, this is the story he told. All right. So like, this this story is so fucked up and insane and I've heard it so many times and when I finally decided to do it, I'm not doing it in a way that's like, here are the facts and this is what happened, which you can, which are incredible and interesting and crazy. And there's a great episode of Generation Y where they cover this case and it's, it's, it's point by point and it's really good. 
and they're coming from the same place that I am, which is that he clearly fucking did it. Yeah. So here's his story. I'm not going to get into all the insane facts of the trials that happen. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do his story. What happened then what is most likely the real story okay so this is why i'm saying it so dramatically which i normally don't do right this is such a fucking bullshit made-up story yeah yeah i can tell with your there's a there's a hint of sarcasm right and then there's some drama in it that i know that you hate this person right and what's essentially what's yeah well i'm so bad at i can't lie (laughs) if i hate you you'll fucking know um What's so incredible about this is that there's still an argument about whether or not he did it, which I think when I get done with what really happened, you won't fucking believe it. So um, Kimberly's in bed. Eight to ten deep knife wounds are found on the right side of her neck. So the Colette, Kimberly and Kristen are all dead. Um, Then once he wakes up, finds them dead. Jeffrey calls the operator and says, we've been stabbed. People are dying. Mm. People are dying. Yeah. Not my wife and my children. We've all been stabbed. People are dying. Some people are dying. Yeah. We. Yeah. It is so fascinating when they break that stuff down of like all those micro, you know, uh, micro expression people that know the word. And we've talked about that Mm, in other things. Definitely. Where when you use certain words and what it means, the word choice. Like even just the breakdown of, you know, Patsy Rant or... Patsy Ramsey's 911 call about Jean Bonnet mm-hmm. and the the ransom letter, quote unquote, of Jean for Jean Bonnet. Fascinating. And this is another one of those. Um, there there is a breakdown of his call as well as when he is interrogated later of every single thing he says, and it's fucking incredible. And I wish I could have included the whole thing, but it would have been three episodes, so I'm not. Okay. But let's just do it right okay. now. Okay. Let's just you know what? <laughs> let's just go for it. Um when they arrive they find the sole survivor Jeffrey McDonald lying with his arm around Colette in the master bedroom unconscious so like he went and called then he fucking positioned himself next to his wife okay he had sustained bruising over his eye a superficial stab wound in the arm and on his abdomen in the form of an upside down V several small puncture wounds were present on the upper left chest None of his wounds required uh, suturing. A neat and clean stab wound was located between two ribs on the right side of his chest and resulted in a collapsed lung. Oh. Right. Which is interesting. Um, As they were gurneying him out, he whispers to the medics, four of them. She kept saying, acid is groovy. Kill the pigs. Like he tells them that dramatically. Right. All right. So then I wrote, now reality. So by the time the sun had risen the next day, the Army's Criminal Investigation Division, Division, CID, which we're calling it now, they didn't even believe Jeffrey's story. Aside from his minor injuries, there was no sign of an ice pick puncture on him, despite the fact that he said he had been stabbed by an ice pick. Also, there's just a single fiber fiber from his ripped pajamas. A single fiber was found in the living room where the struggle had ensued. That's all they found was a single, like strand of his pajamas from ripping um however in the bedrooms there were dozens of his pajama fibers including several found beneath colette others under kimberly's sheets in her bedroom Mm. and two more in Kristen's room one lodged under her fingernail oh no his pajamas which he had said he had stumbled into colette's the wife's room taken his pajamas off and covered her with it so he wouldn't even had it when he went to the kids room yeah um, 
He claims he performed CPR on all three of them, but none of their mouths were open and his daughters were tucked into bed and lying on their sides. And he's a fucking surgeon, so he would know that that's not how you give CPR. Yeah. He originally claimed he didn't wash up before making the call to the police, but there's no blood on the phone he used to make the call, and, but there was blood in the sink drain. Oh. Then the CID found a blood-smudged brand-new issue of Esquire magazine in the living room. So an article in the, uh, the uh, Esquire magazine details... The drug-crazed hippies who had murdered Sharon Tate just seven months before that. According to investigators, it contained the article contained 18 similarities to the murders of Colette and the girls, including a blonde, candle-carrying hippie woman. You know, it's funny. I was thinking um, Patty Hearst because there's that famous picture uh, when Patty Hearst... With her hat on? With, um, oh, did she wear goggles. a hat into the bank... I, I can't remember. I just see her with like a pulled down low hat, but she had a, but she did have a wig on it. Yeah. So she had like, but I guess it wasn't blonde hair, but there was a black man with an army jacket. Oh my God, Karen. That's what I was thinking of. But I mean, it's all the same thing where it's like, but I don't, that uh, was no, that 1970 or was it before or after? Maybe he's psychic. Anyway, it's like, clearly it's just like these three yeah. things have been in the media and they were, he was just or like, like, I drive around and there's a hippie. There's a like, yeah, it's the thing of like, and I read a lot about uh, Reddit things where it were like the, the acid is groovy. Sure, that's something we said, like, and, you know, acid is so groovy. We said groovy. Kill the pigs was a totally different sect of people. Those were the crazy left wing, you know, fuck the police people who weren't the same as the hippies. So it's something that like a a straight laced military man would be like, here's what hip, here's what hippies say. Here's what yeah. drug crazed hippies say. Especially someone that's reading up on the Manson murders. Because exactly. that death to the pigs or whatever, that thing like, was a part of it too. Someone said, someone in, when they were talking about that in the Reddit article, they were like, um, it's like if today someone were trying to blame hipsters on something and said, they kept saying, uh, the first album was better. The first album, <laughs> the first album was the best. And it's like, nobody fucking really says that. That's what you think we say. It's just this like insanity, which I really love because I hadn't even thought about that. Um, okay. They found that the, that the, the word pig that was written in blood on the, on the headstand had been written and using a surgical glove, which were found in the house and the weapons had all come from inside the house. Um, and then the weapons were thrown in a bush right outside the house, almost like someone opened the back door. And like, if there were four people at least who were uh, committing something, they'd all run out and put their, put their fucking weapons under the same bush. Yeah. No. Pre-agreed bush before they went in. Put it down and walk away. Guys, this is the, this is weapon bush. (laughs) Please. Weapon bush. (laughs) Steven, that's the name of the episode. This is our new. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's what I'm going to call it. Okay. Going on. Um, da, 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 under a bush and the eh, okay so how, however <laughs> listen there's always a however you know <laughs> got to <laughs> gotta have a however someone made a shirt that just says however on it really and it makes me so happy oh um so of course many mis- not of course this okay cut that out steve no don't cut that out many mistakes were made during the investigation from failing to seal off the crime scene, so 26 people trampled through it before it was finally secured, which is a kind of a normal thing in the 70s, I feel like. Yes, you that know? happened all the time. And they didn't know it was happening. They showed up. It's pouring rain. They run in. They see bodies. They have to take one out. It's There's going to be a lot of people coming through. Yes. But the fucking ambulance driver stole Jeffrey McDonald's wallet from his desk. What? Yeah. No. Yoink. 
What? Yoinked it right off the fucking desk. Wait, it's is this an ambulance driver not on the on the ar- army base? I don't think so. I think they just. I, I don't know. That was just it was some outsider. It was an army base, but there's a hospital. Yeah, that's crazy. Arm. I don't know who it was, but. Bold move, but ambulance just a, driver. Like, walking with a gurney, zoink. You know what I mean? That guy had a problem. Yeah. Like being fired from his job, hopefully. And like the next day, the garbage man, they like were like, yeah, go ahead and take the trash away. Oh. Take the trash out. <laughs> no. Um, Let's put a hold on that. Nope. They also allowed. Four- NCIS would have never made that mistake. Absolutely. Starring Mark Harmon. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think of Mark Harmon, I think it's the, um, what's the Olympic diver? Or what's the guy from Star Wars? Greg Luganis, the one who hit his head? Yeah. What's the guy from Star Wars' his name? Luke? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, his father. What's his father? Uh, no, what's, the, what's Luke's name in real life? Mark Harmon. Mark Hamill. Damn it. Did you say Hammond? I always think it's Mark uh, Harmon. I think it's him. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. It's not. They're similar. They're similar similar, white guys. But this is why I tell you the names of people who are playing (laughs) roles and ask you to fill in the You run it all by me. No idea. (laughs) Um, Beep boop. Trash. McDonald home. Oh, 40 40 sets of fingerprints just were allowed to be destroyed. And a bloody footprint was lost in the process of removing it. Which I just think of some guy like slipping like it's a banana peel. (laughs) You know. But he's he's trying to take a footprint print. And then someone, he's like, what? Well, someone knocks into him. Get those marbles out of here. Mr. Bean. <laughs> it's just Mr. Bean. Get those marbles out of here. <laughs> he's like, Mr. Bean will never process a crime scene no. again. Sometimes no, I'm we're so, not making that mistake again. Never again. No. Sometimes I'm so busy talking that I don't hear the funny thing. Believe me. So after. <laughs> that's all I do. <laughs> uh, still. The military, they formally charged Jeffrey McDonald with the murder on, with the murders on May 1st, 1970. But at this point, an 18 year old drug addict hippie in town known to police named Helena um, Stokely. She's known to wear, get this, a floppy hat, a blonde wig, and like the same kind of look, drug addict hippie. She confesses that herself and various people around town did the crime i thought you were dangling the kitten in front of elvis just now <laughs> and in the corner of my eye i see steven dangling something in front of elvis and it's just it looks like a kitten anyways so she says oh i i was really high on mescaline and acid that night i think we were there i remember these things from it here's three accomplices that i think was there with me one of them turned out to be in jail while this was happening um but she really throws a wrench in the whole thing uh the wig and the floppy hat it hides the 70s you know who else owned that colette the oh woman no murdered. so like there's just no it just fucks this investigation up forever right right and i wonder if that was intentional well he made up a story and he got really fucking lucky that's what i think happened think so he made up a or did or could he have made up a story and then given a wig and a hat to a person in town that would have you know considering he was a doctor and he was also like saw civilians he might have already been aware of her at some point oh Maybe yeah she came in with someone who knows but from yeah. what i can tell she's she's a really unhealthy woman a girl drug addict mentally ill was she in her teens she was 18 uh really not doing well and so she kind of seemed like someone who wanted who needed and wanted attention not in a mean way but in a desperate way right so this whole thing got tangled up yeah she got tangled up in it which made his credibility which just made him seem more credible 
right. which made people question. In- introduce more doubt. Yeah. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that means based on everything, the charges were dismissed the following October because of insufficient evidence. And a couple of months after the murder charges were dropped, super hot, charismatic, really charming Jeffrey McDonald appears on, he becomes famous. Oh, he yeah. becomes like the Sam Shepard, <laughs> which is that everyone loves him and knows him. And oh my God, he got his poor guy, his wife and two children died. And you know, that kind of thing. Um, he appears on the late night program, the Dick Cavett show. Mm. Um, Although his celebrity comes from his family's brutal murders, he doesn't seem like he gives a shit. He's laughing. The audience is laughing. He tells jokes. He criticizes the army investigators. No fucking way. He is. He has no idea. Like he is so charming and sociopathic that he doesn't understand how bad this looks. You know, one of those people that you're like, they love me. Well, this is that's what Diane Downs did. Remember? It's, yes, it's, it's exactly that. And then when they talk about like as if everyone's super concerned about them only. Right. Yeah. He doesn't bring up the fact that, you know, the her, Colette's parents have lost their daughter, their only daughter and, and grandchild and grandchildren. Ugh. He's being fucking Mr. Funny Man over here. And he's like celebrating that he got uh, let off on this. Amazing. Chart. It's disgusting. But what's great about this is that up until this point, Colette's mother and her stepfather, who I think raised Colette, he's in it hard, Alfred and Mildred Kassab. How much do you love Alfred and Mildred? <laughs> you want to know who plays them? Who? Okay. Alfred, Alfred is played by Carl Malden. Yes. Yeah. Streets of San Francisco. I was raised on it. Yeah. The best TV show of all time. Is that the one where there's like all these couples and they all hang out in there? No, <laughs> that's, that's Love um, Boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the one from like the night, the San Francisco 90s one? 90s? Yeah. Like Cop- gay, gay people and straight people and they're like, it's like, um, oh, oh, that's, um, the, Goddess. yes, that's the Amistad Mapan books. Um, yes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something. <laughs> no, this was literally from the 70s. It was Michael Douglas and Carl Malden detectives, San Francisco, driving around shooting at people. And like, as they, they drive around, it just randomly. So shooting. they're murderers. Yes, but cops. Um, and as they drive around, it's just like you're I, you get to look at it's video footage. It's film footage, actually, of my childhood. Because oh it's just God. like, oh, yeah, that's that used to be there. That was there. Yeah, it's the man. most fun TV show to watch. Whenever I see an old L.A., like, you know, the one where they drive around town. Everyone go watch Los Angeles Plays Itself. It's such an amazing movie. Documentary, have you seen it? Mm -mm. It's like a three-hour documentary perfectly narrated about Los Angeles playing itself in movies. Wow. So houses that are, are, are... played in what movie backgrounds that are pretending to be China or, you know, downtown is supposed to be this thing, but you can tell it's not because of this landmark. It's, I can't wait. I've never heard of that. Are you fucking, I have to see it. Listen, don't do drugs, get high and watch (laughs) Los Angeles place itself. And I'll see you in four fucking hours. It's unbelievable. I gotta see it. It's there. I watched it eight times and I've never gotten past an hour because it's just so involved and you fall asleep. Anyway. Insane. Okay. But, 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 but Carl Malden, 
Mildred is played by Eva Saint, Eva Marie Saint. Eve Marie Saint. Yeah. Yeah. My right. dad pretended he saw her. <laughs> it was one of my oh, favorite. Oh, wait. Did, he, we, did he pretend he saw her when he was carrying her bags on a ship and then he married <laughs> no, your no. mom? So, no, he was. I, re, I know. I talk about my father too much. He's no, really hilarious. Marty. We let's were pulling. Talk about my dad and your dad. Forever. Right? We were pulling out of Vaughn's and this woman walked in front of the car <laughs> who was wearing a uh, clear plastic high heel shoes there was a there was a real um angeline feel to this woman Mm. um bit broke down trying to be pretty later on in life in no way am i criticizing her i'm there with her but as she passed the front of the car my dad goes eva marie saint and pretended to recognize her and it's i it was that happened four years ago and i'm still laughing about that would have made her day if she thought that someone recognized like thought except for if she if she heard the sarcasm in his voice oh he it was a bit larry larry Jim. Why do I always call him Larry? <laughs> Jim. Jim, Jim, Jim. You think that I'm related to the Silvermans, and I'm not. Is that their dad's name? I don't, it could be. Oh. <laughs> Larry Silverman. My God. It actually might be. Shit, that'd be creeptastic. Okay. Okay, so the parents are outspoken supporters of Jeffrey through the whole trial, everything. Alfred even said that if he had another daughter, he would still want Jeffrey as his son-in-law, which is creepy. <laughs> um, but once the charges are dropped and he starts seeing all these little fucking creepy things, he's like, go fuck yourself. Oh, because the, like, the, the psychopath mask finally came down. Finally, yes. So he realizes that Jeffrey had been lying to him about so many things, including Jeffrey told him finally he was like, get off my back, man. Here's what happened. My and several other green berets we tracked down one of the killers and we put him we killed him they told him they killed one of the killers uh, just to be like we took care of it leave us alone uh, leave me alone um so because of his crazy fucking like this guy i want like i'm pretty sure that vince is going to be like growing up to be this guy and it made <laughs> me like kind of love him where it was not vince the other guy obviously i love Vince. yes but, yes he was just like dogged, became an investigator, found everything wrong with his fucking trial transcripts, everything. He searched the house himself. He was a badass. This is the dad, Colette's this dad. This is the stepdad. Stepdad. Yeah, who I think was with, with him forever. They're like one of those cute old couples. Anyways. So with him and the formation of the CID reinvestigation team, um, they indict Jeffrey. By then, he was living a lavish life in California as a civilian doctor. He's like fucking chicks. He's got a yacht. He's got a lot of money. He's famous because he's the doctor who didn't kill people, maybe. In 1974, McDonald is brought before the Jeffrey is brought before the grand jury in North Carolina, and he's indicted on all three counts of murder in 1975. Whoa. And uh, in, tr- in a trial that lasted over six weeks, the government introduced over a thousand evidentiary items. And at the trial, Helena denied it. the chick, the crazy drug chick, young person mm-hmm. was like, I, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Denied everything. Later, she's diagnosed with schizoid personality. Yeah. Um, which is sad. McDonald, Jeffrey McDonald is convicted of all three counts of murder in less than seven hours. Wow. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about what really fucking happened. Okay. Ready for the same story as above? Yeah. As the beginning, but what actually happened. And here's why we know. And this is fucking crazy. Um, okay. First of all, a lot of this is from the McDonald case facts.com by Phil Callahan. This guy is just a civilian. He's a fucking web sleuth. And he's like, 
dedicated He's his on life it. to this. Yeah, oh. and he is like, here's what happened based on the fact that, and this is so fucking crazy to me, all four members of the household, uh, Jeffrey, Colette, Kristen, and Kimberly, they all had different blood types, which is a st- statistic, a statistical anomaly. Okay. Like in a family that yeah. doesn't fucking happen. Right. And that means that they were able to trace what happened room by room. <gasps> Because of the blood types. Oh, I just got the weirdest chills. You know what it made me think of when I wrote this down? So, you know, like in like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or those like old timey things are like, here's how to do the two step. And they put like a footprint here and a footprint yes. here. And then one goes back on over here. It's like that with blood. Oh, my God. You ready for this? Yeah. It's fucked up. Okay. It's a fucked up dance. So here's what really happened. I mean, according to everything. In the early morning hours, February 17th, 1970, Colette and Jeffrey McDonald get into a heated argument in the master bedroom. Jeffrey, at the time, was taking amphetamines to lose weight. It's the 70s. <laughs> what were those? Meth. Right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And hadn't slept for 24 hours at least. Oh. So he's out of his goddamn mind. Right. Um, in the previous weeks, Colette had been upset that Jeffrey was planning on leaving for a long time uh, to be the doctor for the army boxing team, even though she was having a really difficult pregnancy and she was going to night school for psychology. Oh. So this chick was a badass and he was kind of a narcissist. So his wife not wanting to stay at home and be, you know, him having to stay home and take care of his kids at night when she went to school do the dishes, put Didn't them to bed. Didn't work for him. Did not jibe. Yeah. Is that the right? I yeah. Let's get that word wrong. Yeah. Um, also, the issue with their daughter wetting the bed was a big deal with them. He got really pissed off about it. She even brought it up in one of her psychology classes. Um, and uh, I was just guessing maybe he got more angry that night that she wet his side of the bed. Right. Right. Like not just her bed. She wet the side, his side of the bed. Something fucking snapped. And at some point, Jeffrey punches Colette in the face, who then, and this is all based on blood evidence as well as the um, fibers from the pajamas. Right. Uh, Colette grabs a hairbrush, hits Jeffrey above his left eye. These are also based on the bruises and shit, sorry. Mm-hmm. They wrestle and Jeffrey's pajama top gets torn in multiple places. And then he hits Colette in the face a second time and grabs what we remember as the wooden club from earlier. What that turns out to be is that uh, there was this wooden, this piece of wood holding up a corner portion of the master bed footboard. Because you know how sometimes it gets wobbly, you jam something underneath there to hold it straight? He fucking grabs whatever that is when he's on the floor, and he fucking thrusts it, like jabs at her uh, of one end of that into her chest, and that's where that (gasps) bruise came from. Like a wooden stake. Because she probably had something she was trying to hit with him so he couldn't come close to her oh okay yeah exactly like i wouldn't say uh, but he doesn't puncture her he just like he just hits her with hits it. her with it, like okay. a javelin so at this point then kimberly the daughter enters the room hears her parents fighting maybe um and jeffrey turns around and hits her with the club on the left side of her face <gasps> colette then screams jeff why are you doing this which is what he said he heard from the couch but it's a it's so loud that he thinks maybe the neighbors heard it so he includes it in his story but he turns it into jeff why are they doing this right 
Um, and then Kimberly falls into the floor near the entrance of the master bedroom. And we know this because there's her blood spattered around that area. Mm-hmm. Colette then grabs a knife from her side table and she slashes Jeffrey's abdomen, resulting in that upside down V laceration on his abdomen. Um, and then Jeffrey retaliates with two blows with the club to Colette's head, knocking her unconscious. At this point, Jeffrey strips the bed, picks Kimberly up, who's unconscious, uh, picks her from the bed sheet and carries her back to her bedroom. He places her into a sleeping position. He, at that point, leaves 14 pajama threads under her bed covers when he does that. Mm-hmm. A 20.5 inch yarn of her, his bed clothes founds, is found on top of Kimberly's pillow. And then this is, you know, he at this point supposedly would have had his pajamas off by then. So the fact that his pajama threads are all over these places shows that this is what he actually did because they should be underneath her even if he did come in there. He then uses the club to strike Kimberly with two blows on the right side of her face. And when he does that, you know, he picked the club up and hit her twice, casts blood onto the ceiling in those blows. And that blood had both Kimberly and Colette's blood mixed in, Mm -hmm. which means we know that he hit her first hit Colette first. Then he covers Kimberly's body with her blanket and bed covers. Then he gets a knife from the kitchen and he leaves behind minute traces of blood uh, all over the kitchen. And the the pattern shows that he was pacing the kitchen. One thinks trying to figure out what the fuck to do. (sighs) Grabs a knife, paces the kitchen back and forth in a panic. Probably they don't think it was premeditated. Probably was like, what do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do now? Then he goes into Kristen's room. And this is the other daughter who's sleeping, not part of this at all. And he stabs her in the chest as she lay in her bed. And the wounds indicate that Kristen was probably sleeping at this point in her pajama top. The wounds indicate that they had, it had been lifted before she was stabbed. And the position of the wounds show that it was almost as if he was trying to identify the location of vital organs because uh, um, she got stabbed in these specific places that a surgeon would know would bear the most, but that would do the most damage. Right. Like he's trying to be efficient in killing his daughter. Uh, right. Oh. Um, at some point she wakes up to try to shield herself because she had cuts and bruises on her hands. And because of that pajama, f- pajama fiber is found under her fingernail. Mm-hmm. Um, he then stabs her in the back and places her, places his daughter back into a sleeping position on her bed. And he places her favorite pink security blanket in her arms. Can you <sighs> fucking deal? He exits the room and then when he's, he's like bringing the bed sheets to go maybe wash them. But here's Colette stagger into Kristen's room. He hears her go in there to try to protect her daughter, follows her in with the club and he hits Colette in the face. Colette places her arms in front of her face in an attempt to ward off the blows and her arms, which is why her arms are bruised and shattered. And she gets hit twice more. Um, then he sets, so then he sets his club, the club down on Kristen's bed, which is why there are traces of Kimberly's blood on the bed, because the club he had hit Kimberly with was then placed on the bed. Isn't that insane? You're it's, trying to say, you're trying to tell it to other people, but there's such a basic fucking obvious 
yeah reason right that it's not true which is why it's insane to me that people are have, have websites dedicated to his innocence well right because back then nobody knew anything about like the any of this blood right it, the dna and the blood type and all that stuff didn't and exist all of this shows that it's a panic this isn't planned right. this is a fuck what am i gonna do because then after all of this he goes into the living room and he reads the esquire magazine article um, and we know this because there's a bloody smudge on the edge of the magazine that then the blood belonged to Colette and Kimberly. He reads the article. Then he tosses his glasses aside. They land under the window in the living room. And we know this because on those glasses, there's a mark of Kristen's blood. <sighs> um, and that that throwing the glasses aside to me is such a fucking definitive action of, well, now I know what I have to fucking do. You know, I read this article about how the Tate murders you know, we're blood crazed hippies. Well, now I fucking know I have to finish this and make it look like that. It's also as a person who was on speed for a year, uh -huh. I've done acid and I've done <laughs> speed and that for weight loss reasons. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea that you would, uh, be able to read anything in that circumstance specifically where he's just murdered his family. Yeah. And then he sits down to read an article to me is like really indicative of the, of the kind of psychopath he was. Cause yeah. that's, can you imagine like when you get into a fender bender, how freaked out you are mm -hmm. and how like, you're just kind of imagine in the middle of all of that, you sit down and read something where you, what would be, how would you even take anything in? Well, here's what I'm wondering is if he had read it earlier that evening or whenever, because she had been at she had been at school that evening, so I wonder if he had read through it earlier or not even thought about it. And then these things started happening, and he was like, "Wait, how did they make this look?" Like maybe he probably hadn't written the word "pig" yet in blood, and he was like, maybe fueled on by the fact that he had he hadn't slept and had read this stuff about these murders, and kind of was fueled by that. And then he went back to the magazine to be like. How can I make this look like a cover up? He wasn't going to read. He was going to find a way to cover this up. Right. Get like the what are the exact details? Right. He's basically being a doctor about it where he was like, yeah. well, if I'm going to copy this, I'm going to copy it correctly. Yeah. And I'm going to do it in the way that's going to convince everybody. Yeah. But I mean, I'm <laughs> it's just so cold. It's like, oh, my God, he's a fucking reptile. A total reptile. And then, then like another argument people had on Reddit, which I, I can back this up, is when you're on acid, you can't fucking kill people. Like, killing people on acid is not a thing. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, then he tips over the living room coffee table to show that there's been a struggle where he supposedly was sleeping, but it's there's a lot of evidence that shows that it wasn't, which you can listen to in another podcast. Um, <laughs> Okay, so then he uses a bedspread to take Colette's body back to the master bedroom and in the process leaves three bloody footprints in Colette's blood as he leaves Kristen's room. And the fucking crazy thing about this is that you they can tell that he was carrying something heavy by the way the footprints are mashed into the carpet. Oh. Isn't that fucking crazy? Oh, because it's pile carpet? Like they can thick. measure it? Like Shit. how heavy was the footprint? Right. That's amazing. I know. So here's the, the, we're almost done. Okay. He puts Colette on the master bedroom floor and unknowingly sets her body down on top of 24 pajama fibers underneath her body, even though he said he put them on top. Um, he hits her in the head again, and then he goes into Kimberly's room with the knife um, inflicts more of her injuries with the knife. Then he takes the ice pick into Kristen's room inflicts more room, uh, more wounds on her then he then he goes back in and stabs 
Colette in the chest and neck with a knife and stabs her 21 times after he had put down her pajama, his pajama top on top of her. So at that point, he puts his pajama top on top of her, stabs her 21 times. And when the prosecutors were, were uh, in court, they, will, they were able to show that the pajama top, the way it was laid down, matched every single one of those 21 marks. <sighs> so he had put it on top of her as if to cover her so he didn't have to see himself stabbing his wife. And 21 of those 21 marks went through that pajama top. So he what said the that they were on his fuck? arms and he was fending off blows from the people in the... That's why those 21 marks were there. And it perfectly matches his wife's wounds. Yep. Uh, insanely fucked. Totally insane. Also, just this idea of a crazed man walking from room to room, killing and re-killing his family is What's horrifying. That and like he had never... Apparently, they were in an apartment building. So no one was ever like, they had never argued before. They had never heard them fight. They had some fucked up problems with their relationship. He had had multiple uh, affairs. Like he had been fucking 15 women uh, up until that point. Like they were having big marital problems, but they had never fought. So this is a guy who is whacked out of his mind and fucking um, snaps. Yeah. Doing this. It's not a, it's not a methodical killer. It's someone who is like, here's what needs to be done and does it. He's over the edge for sure. Yeah. He's over the edge. Right. And so the Sam Shepard case is really similar. Um, okay. This one was after Sam Shepard. Yeah. 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 Sam Shepard is in the late fifties. Yeah. Early sixties. Yeah. So he probably read about that one too. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there, I did another one. Um, another, family and I or another murder of a family that was in Fort Bragg in 85 that mirrored this one a lot too whoa yeah but it wasn't the dad it was um oh god what was it called summer lane summer yeah the summer lane murders we did it before anyways okay almost said um sorry okay summer lane murders weren't that ones where they came to see the puppies yes (gasps) I hate that one so much. Yes. I don't know what episode that is, but it's it's happening. I'd say 47. Yes. <laughs> yes. What if Karen was? Yes. What if you were a savant just for a podcast? I'm like beautiful mind, but just for podcast episodes. <laughs> um, stabs in the chest. Ba, 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 ba. Line it up. Okay. So then he walks to the back door with the weapons, tosses them into the, into the murder bush. Into the one bush. What do we call it? The murder bush? Yeah. Murder bush. Goes back in the master. Weapon bush. Weapon bush. Yeah. Goes back into the master bedroom, uses the surgeon's glove to write the word pig on the headboard of the master bed. There's three fibers. I know. Three fibers from the pajamas found near the left corner of the the footboard and one fiber found near the headboard. So it was clearly him while he was, wait, that must have been, okay. Something's going on. Anyways. Then he obtains a disposable scalpel blade from the hallway closet because he won't even fucking stab himself with the ice pick. Stabs himself in the right side of his chest with a scalpel blade. And then I go to Reddit and Reddit says someone on Reddit is really smart. And they say it is exactly where the doctor makes an incision to place a chest tube. Um, to place a chest tube. So this is the spot that we, and he was like an emergency technician. This is where we cut someone to place a chest tube because there is almost zero risk of harming the patient. So (laughs) he collapses his lung, but in a place that's not dangerous. He thinks that the severity of this wound will make people think I didn't do it myself. Yes. 
Okay. But then he is assured that he won't be hurt in any exactly. way. Hurt enough to make people not suspect him. Oh. He then gathers himself for a little bit, and then he phones authorities at 3.40 a.m. And 3.42 a.m. He did it twice. So that's how what really happened. Uh, Jeffrey McDonald is now 68, and he remarried and what? is still in prison. Oh. 68 years old might be from an article I didn't okay, <laughs> look okay. at the date. But he's... He's an older man now, but he's still in prison. He's married. When you said remarried, though, I was like, sorry, did he get off? <laughs> like, no, he, holy he, shit. No, he's in prison and okay. remarried in prison. Okay, good. One of those people. Sure. Um, he has never wavered from his claim that he didn't kill his wife and their children. And he says he'll never apply for parole because that would require an admission of guilt, even though he's up for parole. Mm-hmm. Um, which means he won't be eligible for release until the year 2071. But he is still fighting for a new trial based on the fact that this woman, Helena, said she was the drug crazed hippie. And there's videos of her online. You can find all kinds of videos from this. Of her just going, no. Of her saying, I did it. I don't know. Maybe I did do it. Go watch Fatal Visions. It's amazing. There's so, there is so many uh, interviews with him in prison. He, look, he reminds you of um, Ted Bundy meets fucking Robert Durst. Yeah. It's fucked up. So that's Jeffrey McDonald, who murdered Colette, Kimberly, and Kristen. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Thank you. Uh, It's so satisfying because the other one was really frustrating because it's the other one was so similar. The sorry, Sam Shepard, Sam Mm Shepard one was so similar, but so mysterious. Whereas this one is like it's parallel, but then it's the worst version it's almost like this one is from someone who's even more narcissistic because he didn't even come up with a good there's no plan that's good enough to fucking make it seem like he didn't do it no there's nothing that timeline and and it's 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 if you read it specifically on that website that i found let me see here the mcdonaldcasefacts.com mm-hmm if you read it on that by Philip, Call- Philip Callahan, it's even more specific and says what blood is where, what brain matter is where. There's a drop of blood here. There's a drop of blood here. This blood is so-and-so's. This blood is this person's. Like, it's there's a hundred more, like, pieces of blood evidence and fiber evidence that have... There's no way to explain them away other than the fact that he did it. Right. Also, it, it just popped in my head because I'm I can't get over a father stabbing his daughters yeah. who are so young. But if you're a surgeon, that kind of interaction with the human body mm-hmm. isn't that weird to you because you do it a lot of times in a life saving way. So like the body is just not a human body to you yeah well they say that thing about like and i fucking i'm sorry to insult a bunch of surgeons but that surgeons have a harder they are not <laughs> uh oh well they, this is the thing i'm not <laughs> and this is going out to colin clank <laughs> <laughs> well you started it here and we're ending here just that um well the brain is different because it's not something you see every day or you know what i mean but like the thing of where it's like if you are able to cut into a human body every single day and not think of it like and not be 
freaked out by it. Right. You have a um, you have a really a brain that's really good at disassociating itself from other people. Yes. Is, is how I'll say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From that, any kind of... It's a different thing for you. Yeah, it's not, hum- it's not a human anymore. But that still doesn't explain the fact that they were his goddamn daughters. Well, I don't know that... It's, I'm so offended. But the thing of, like, the people who are narcissists who think of their children as a... Um, a part of themselves. An extension of themselves. Yeah. So he's not killing his daughter. He's... He's... He's doing what he needs to do. Right. That's, yeah. It's, it's part of him. It's his property. He can do whatever he wants with it. Oh, fuck And him. I mean, wh- how is it? And I'm not a parent, clearly, but how is it? I mean, look at my body. Uh, <laughs> how is it? How is it any easier? Oh, I can't. I can't say this right. I could never kill a child, even though I'm not a, its parent. How is it easier for someone else to do it? It's not. That's just, that's why he is this right. anomaly and this freak and this thing that we want to look at and talk a about. A child at all, let alone yes. your own. Oh, I know. Horrifying. Jeffrey McDonald. Repeatedly. Okay. Um, wow, that was great. Uh, you need to go to the improv right now. <laughs> to I'm, I can't, I won't make it. Plug your show. Uh, yes, what time is it? I, let's, can I just say this right now? Oh, you, oh, Guy Branham. 25 minutes late already. <laughs> sorry. Fuck. Sorry, 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 go. <laughs> Guy Branham, we love you. Somebody posted a picture of themselves standing outside the improv today. I'm going to make it at You're the going end. right now. Yeah. Uh, You're going to blow them away. Um, let's just do a quick thing you like this week. Going to Vegas tomorrow for Vince's birthday. Super excited. Oh, nice. Did I already tell my Vegas story? That you went and saw Magic Mike. Magic Mike. Did I tell that though online? Did I tell it live? No, you didn't. Guys, if you are near Las Vegas or you're going anytime soon. Like me, I'll go. One thousand (laughs) percent. Go see the Magic Mike strip show at Hard Rock. It is so good. This is not sarcasm. I'm not being sarcastic. You can tell because of how deep and resonating my voice is. If I'm being sarcastic, it goes up like this. Um, (laughs) It's so good. And the dancers are amazing. And the show is is really cool and very modern and a woman is the host and it's nice. very much about women getting what they want it's really cool it's very sexy the dancing is incredible can i take vince totally but but um yeah there was like probably five guys what if they go the out audience. there and i'm like where's vince he said he went to the bathroom to have an hour ago and then he comes out on stage and he's in one of the dancers and he's like happy anniversary or whatever does yeah. the whole dance the dancing is so good and just they're acrobats they're <sighs> gymnasts they're dancers they're musicians amazing it's crazy um that's it triple threat uh thanks everybody thanks for listening you guys we really appreciate we everything do. you do for we us do. stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye Bye.